Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on DuckStream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. You are listening to episode number 39 right here on Wednesday, December 21st. We're getting a lot of Anaheim Ducks hockey this week as we head into the holidays. And it began with the Ducks coming off a late night game in L.A. on Tuesday night against the L.A. Kings at Crypto.com Arena, also formerly known as the Staples Center. And it was a strong start for the Ducks, but ultimately there was just not enough gas in the tank for the Ducks to hang on. The Kings won the game 4-1 to one and took game one of the freeway faceoff. This was tough to see as the Ducks had plenty of rest since their last game on Saturday. At the end of their Canadian road trip, they won the last two games, so having a little bit of momentum going into Tuesday night. But like I said, ultimately, it just was not enough. So let's get to AD's takeaways now. The team had a great first period, putting a lot of pucks on net, 11 shots on goal, and created chances in the zone. One thing that head coach Dallas Akins has mentioned this season, the importance of zone entrances and exits, and I thought the team looked really good in that in the first period. And you could see the momentum that they had coming into the game. Now, Frank Vetrano got the Ducks on the board on the power play in the second period. There was no goals by either team in the first period, so the scoring did not start until the second Vetrano getting the Ducks' only goal of the night, but always good to see a power play goal. Big night for Justin Kirkland, who made his NHL debut, so congratulations to him. What an exciting night. He had 7 minutes and 26 seconds of ice time playing on the line with Sam Carrick and Jason Magna. Now, on the contrary, the Kings had 41 shots on net, a lot of chances in the second and third period. After the Ducks got their goal, there just wasn't a spark in the team through the rest of the second period and into the third. Only five shots on net in the second and nine in the third, ultimately coming to 25 shots on net for the Ducks. Now, on the goalie end, Lukasz Dostal looked very poised once again starting the night. There were some breakdowns that led to chances in front of him. In particular, I think about Kevin Fiala's goal in the third period, the fourth and final goal for the Kings, beginning with a Ducks turnover that led to Fiala taking it into the zone with two Ducks defensemen, but able to work his way through them and find the back of the net. It was honestly a very impressive goal. A little bit of a hard shot for Dostal to stop as it was barred down. But like I said, really great to see Dostal's play in the last couple games. He's just going to be a bright spot on the goalie end for the Ducks as we head into the future. The Kings, like I mentioned, obviously getting the win, and it was their third win in a row as of late. They currently sit second in the Pacific Division with 41 points, just behind Vegas, who has 45. But one thing I also want to point out on Anaheim's end, it's tough because now they will head into a back-to-back as they played Tuesday night, and now they're playing home at Honda Center on Wednesday night. That is tonight against the Minnesota Wild. So hopefully the guys got enough rest and will be ready for the game. Anaheim will not play L.A. again until mid-February. That will be the next time that we see another freeway face-off this season. But like I mentioned, the Ducks are taking on the Minnesota Wild tonight, that being Wednesday, while also celebrating Futures Night. 
This is the third and final meeting between the Ducks and the Wild this season. Minnesota already winning both of the previous two meetings, one of them at Honda Center, the other at XL Energy Center in St. Paul. And that was the last meeting, and it took a shootout to close out that game. I'll have some more on the matchup later in the show, but make sure you tune into DuckStream to listen to Puck Drop on that game tonight. 7 p.m. with the call from Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster, as always. So let's move along now to go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL, beginning with a Monday night game with the St. Louis Blues and Vancouver Canucks. A 5-1 win for the Blues and a big night for Jordan Cairo, who netted his first NHL hat trick. I was surprised at this. I would have thought Cairo would have netted a hat trick already in his career. I mean, he's leading the Blues right now in goals, and he's already played with them for a few seasons, but glad to see that he was able to get his first hat trick. On the goalie end, Jordan Binnington stopped 33 shots of the 34 he faced, and St. Louis sits in the middle of the Central Division right now with 33 points. Listen to the call now from Blues' Chris Kerber of the hat trick. Tarasenko cuts into the middle of the ice with it. His first pass is blocked. He comes back with his second one. Down to Thomas. They shoot. They score! Jordan Cairo. If you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio. He gets the hat trick in the National Hockey League, and he's put the Blues on top by his score of 5-1. to one. Jordan Cairo, the hat trick goal, 10-41 to go in the third period. Moving ahead to Tuesday night, the Pittsburgh Penguins and New York Rangers faced off a battle of the Metropolitan Division with two teams that have been playing good hockey as of late. But ultimately, the Penguins prevailed in this one, a 3-2 win. These two teams are neck and neck in the Metropolitan Division right now, but Pittsburgh winning that game was able to get ahead by one point in the standings right now. The Penguins are 8-1-1 in their last 10 games, and they ended the Rangers' seven-game win streak. Pretty big win for Pittsburgh. Now, Sidney Crosby netted the winner in the third period. He has 42 points this season, with 33 of them coming at even strength. A very impressive stat. Josh gets off, has the call of Crosby's goal. Matang back in his own end, cuts behind the net, 11 and a half to play. Passes right side for P.O. Joseph, banks it ahead for Raquel. He finds Gensel over the line, right circle across, Crosby there, backhand shot, he scores! Sid, are you serious? Forehand, backhand, back in the net, 3-1 Penguins. Also on Tuesday, the Carolina Hurricanes and New Jersey Devils faced off a great defensive game for Carolina, who held the Devils to just one goal and came away with a 4-1 win at their home arena, PNC Arena. The Hurricanes are on a six-game win streak right now, and they're just finding their stride in the Metropolitan, leading the division. I mean, I've talked about the Metro a little bit already, but that division is heating up so much right now. A lot of teams on these hot streaks. In the past, it's always been a tough division, so I'm not surprised that this is happening right now in the season. Jordan Martinook took the puck into the neutral zone and fed it to Jordan Stahl, who took it into the zone and put it in the top corner of the net. As a part of the Canes' second goal of the game, hear the call from Canes' Mike Maniscalco. Go across for Jesper Bratt. Burns with a good stick to knock that pass away for Hughes and the Canes. 
Roll this out to Martinook. He'll drop it for Stahl. Stahl has lead. He scores! Final game in coast to coast that I'd like to highlight the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto's defense held strong in a four to one win in this one on Tuesday night, holding Tampa to only 19 shots on goal. Now, Toronto was up one to nothing and really out shooting the Lightning in the second period. The Leafs had a power play opportunity and that was all they needed. Austin Matthews had a rocket of a shot with plenty of room in front of him, putting it in the back of the net. Matthews now has 17 goals this season and a total of 38 points thus far. Joe Bowen had the call from Scotia Arena. Now into the corner pass by Marner, looking in front of the net. Tavares trying to find room as it goes to Matthews. Back to the blue line again for Sandine. Back to Matthews, room to shoot, and he does, and he scores! Austin Matthews with that wicked snapshot into the top shelf. It's 2-0 Toronto. Now, as we look ahead to the Ducks matchup with the Minnesota Wild, their final meeting this season, like I said, we welcome on Kirsten Kroll today. We take a look at the streak that Minnesota is currently on, as well as more on Ryan Reeves' new role with the team. Listen in in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is in-game host for the Minnesota Wild and Bar Down Beauty's host, Kirsten Kroll, a friend of mine and now a friend of Duckstream. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I'm good, Alexis. Thanks for having me. I'm fun to be on, too, right before the Minnesota Wild take on the Anaheim Ducks in Anaheim. So this will be the third time this season, so it'll be fun, too, to see what happens tonight, especially now that I have a friend who covers the opposing team. So, <laughs> And I mean, it couldn't be a better time for Minnesota to be in Southern California because of the winter storm that you just told me about that you guys are getting. Uh, yeah, literally with, I think there's parts of Minnesota that are already starting to get slammed by just, it's supposed to be whiteout conditions all over the entire state, uh, black ice. It's, it's supposed to last like two, three days starting today. Um, so it's it's going to be an interesting situation. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed that when the guys are done with their road trip, they're able to make it back to Minnesota. I think that's going to be the question. <laughs> well, it's something that I'm sure you guys are very used to getting all of that snow. So hopefully they're able to make it back safe in time for Christmas. But I want to start by introducing you to Ducks fans that are listening. Uh, Kirsten and I used to have a podcast together. We go way back since she's been a part of the hockey community for a number of years now and a very interactive role too. Can you explain what it's like getting to interact with fans in particular with your hosting role in Minnesota? For sure. Well, starting with that, it's so much fun. I mean, they, they call it the state of hockey for a reason. I mean, even just yesterday, I was at a completely different rink in Blaine, Minnesota. So about 40 minutes north of St. Paul and just working a junior hockey event. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, you in game host for the wild, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do. I'm, do you make it to a lot of games? Just starting up conversation from all levels of hockey. He was asking me, he's like, are you at the right rink? You're usually <laughs> at the, the other one. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I'm kind of all over the place and he, you just get to meet hockey fans from all walks of 
life. Um, getting to do that role specifically with the wild. It's so much fun. I mean, I'm interacting with fans from little mites doing interviews at intermission with them down on the bench to uh, season ticket members who have been there since the team started in 2000. So it's so much fun. It's something new every day and you get to be there too, front and center to watch the guys play, which has been super exciting as of late. (laughs) And you grew up in Minnesota too. So getting to work for the team that I'm thinking you were a fan of growing up was I'm sure is special for you too. It really is. And I mean, every time I'm at a home game, there's somebody that I know from back home who's at the game. So whether it's teachers that I had in high school or just friends that I was really close to growing up, I would say that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of working for the home team is you have this organization that everyone across the state is so passionate about. So when you can incorporate those relationships of people that you used to probably watch games with or talk about the team with and who are also super invested. It makes it that much more special. And like I said, it's cold in Minnesota, but the team is on a hot streak right now. Six wins in the past eight games. What has been working so well for them on the ice that's made them so successful as of late? Um, well, I think there's a number of things currently, like you mentioned, Alexis with the wins, they're on a five game win streak right now. Um, picky, they, they had a little bit of a rough patch when they went on their Canadian road trip a couple of weeks ago, but the homestand they recently had four game homestand picking up wins against Edmonton, Chicago, Detroit. And so those are just a few to name. And I think that top line for one, we found so much chemistry up there. Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, and former Duck Sam Steele centering. That change happened about a month ago now, and he's been fitting in really, really well with that top line center role. So that's one. I think goaltending, too, has also gotten into a rhythm, switching off. Now we're at the point in the season where it doesn't matter who we're going up against, what night it's going to be. I mean, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, who is going to eventually be a Hall of Fame goaltender. And he has the confidence between the pipes, night in, night out. But also you have Philip Gustafson, who comes in. He can take on that secondary role. So I think he's gotten comfortable. Um, now we've got Ryan Hartman, who's back for the first time in like 21 games, recovering from an upper body injury. So um, recovering from injuries is one part of it. And I think the team too, especially generating secondary offense, that was a big concern near the start of the season. So now that we're almost getting to that halfway point, I think things are really just finally starting to click for the wild. Cause they, they started off the season very just needing to figure it out. There was a lot of things, defense, offense, goaltending at points. They had been through it all. <laughs> Well, you talked a little bit about it, the goaltending and Marc-Andre Fleury, Philip Gustafson. Uh, on that back end, how is that dynamic between the two of them? I mean, getting to play with a goaltender like Fleury for Gustafson, I'm sure, has taught him a lot too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine you – I feel there's so much that Fleury brings. I mean, he's just a guy that everyone in that locker room has so much respect. And he always comes in with a smile. One of the friendliest guys I've heard that you're ever going to meet. And so aside from that, just what he brings on the ice, just, and the resume he has, he's a guy I, you couldn't be luckier to be behind him, having him to learn from. So I can only imagine for Gustafson, especially going through the growing pains that have been mentioned that he's had this season, especially taking on a bigger role than what he had when he was in Ottawa. 
I can only imagine it's made him a better goaltender. And I think now we're starting to see the fruits of his labor at this point in the season too, like really, really getting into a groove here in Minnesota. And Fleury is known to be a prankster. Have you heard of anything recently that he's done, especially with the holidays happening right now? Um, not with Flurry, but <laughs> very recently, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media. So not with Flurry, but Ryan Reeves, Kirill Kaprizov, they showed up to the game on Sunday against Ottawa that afternoon. Kirill was dressed as an elf, Ryan Reeves as Santa Claus. They went out into warmups in that kind of partial costume Kirill had his elf hat on. <laughs> Reeves with his Santa Claus beard and Santa hat skating around, but the coolest part of that whole thing, and it's not really a prank, but it was just something a little more mm -hmm. out of the ordinary, um, had Santa bags and were just tossing out mini sticks and pucks oh. to kids during warmups around the glass. So that was super cool. And I can only imagine if you're one of those kids to be able to be like, oh yeah, Kirill gave me a mini stick <laughs> and Ryan Reeves too, for that matter. But Kirill is arguably the Minnesota wild. So, mm -hmm. uh, just to be able to do that, that was fun for all of us to see, but to be one of those kids on the receiving end, I can only imagine how special that must've been. And with Ryan Reeves, I mean, he joined the team from New York about a month ago. Now we saw that he made his presence known in that Detroit game where he was very physical, a little bit of controversy on Twitter with that, but how have you seen him start to adjust as he's gotten more comfortable with Minnesota so far? Yeah, I think the thing with Ryan Reeves is I think he's just been so seamless joining this wild roster. It's been about 12 games now that he's been with the team. And I think he just the presence that he came into Minnesota with. I mean, even when he posted a little video as soon as he landed, they I think what I had heard circulating is Bill Guerin told him he could come in a couple of days. But Ryan Reeves was like, no, can I come? I can fly out tonight. Can I come now? And they're like. Sure. And then he was immediately in the lineup two days later. Um, so I think he's very excited to be in Minnesota and that's super evident. And then also aside from that, like you had mentioned, Alexis, and I was going to bring it up. I think fans for the very first time, they knew he was a very physical presence. That was one of the reasons he was brought in, but seeing it in Detroit, just the hard hits that you mentioned circulating on Twitter, <laughs> Um, even getting in his first little rift, not a long lasting fight, but that physical presence has definitely been evident. And general manager, Bill Guerin has said too, they didn't necessarily bring him in for, you know, more generating offense, but just for the swagger he brings and mm -hmm. that physicality. We've already mentioned him, Kirill Kaprizov, as you said, maybe the face of the Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you know, he's had so much success through his first two seasons now in his third season. How has he been able to, you know, really take another step and continue to be a leader for the group? I mean, he's already gotten so many accolades in the last two years and that big contract that he's on now. How do you think he's been able to, you know, step up to that? I mean, I think when it comes to Krill, he's definitely one of a kind. I think with this being in the midst of like his second full season mm -hmm. here in Minnesota, him being on the same top line with Matt Zuccarello on that right wing, the chemistry those two have, I mean, I don't know what you guys hear about them out in Anaheim, but up here it was pinned like they're the peanut butter and jelly. They're always always together and they just feed off of each other and they have a special relationship off the ice as well. So I think that consistency of Kaprizov and Zuccarello on that top line. And I think too, especially this season as of later, um, 
Sam Steele, again, centering that top line. And then even before then, Freddie Gaudreau was that center on, on that top line as well. So I think they've just found a lot more consistency being that, that power line. But when it comes to Kirill, I think once he got started, he just never took his foot off the gas. I mean, he is an NH. We could talk all day probably about the records that he has already broken, <laughs> then the records he's broken just this season, fairly I, a quarter of the way through the season. And then all of the records he's on pace to break. He's when you look at how many games it took him to get to 200 points. I think it's been about 167. The only players ahead of him, Crosby, Ovechkin, Malkin, then he's in fourth. He's ahead of McDavid. So that one is super cool. And he just, he's not showing signs of slowing down anytime soon. So he's a very special and fun player to watch. From the fan perspective, how much love does he get? Well, when I'm doing my interviews during intermission and I always ask him, like, who's your favorite wild player? I've done about 10 of these without a doubt. Every single time the answer from it doesn't even matter who it is. Kirill Kaprizov, he's my favorite or even interacting with fans like on the concourse, um, seeing kids. That's one thing I always ask him. And it's always Kaprizov. You see fans in the arena at the XL Energy Center holding they're little signs that they'll even write in Russian for Kirill, oh. hold up on the glass. Kirill Kaprizov jerseys everywhere. I mean, the state loves him. Hand him the keys to the city. He owns the entire state. So he he's loved here. <laughs> well, Kirsten, when you look at the roster that the Wild has this year, and even maybe down in the AHL level too, who has been someone that has impressed you so far this season? Well, the prospect pool for the Minnesota Wild, it's it's deep. It's I think people have pinned it the third best in the entire NHL. So the Wild have dipped into that prospect pool a lot this season, most notably Sammy Walker. He's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, leading the AHL in scoring with over 20 goals now. But he was recently called up to the main roster and he was playing really, really well. The only reason he was sent back down was because Ryan Hartman was coming back from injury and big presence there. So he was sent back down, but I won't be surprised to see him get called back up again soon. Another one, Mason Shaw. He was called up two different times early this season from the Iowa wild and then ended up earning his roster spot. Bill Guerin told him, he says, Hey, don't pack your stuff. Like you're staying up here, start looking for a place to live. You can move out of the hotel. Even that second time he came back up, Iowa wild head coach, Tim army. He told him, well, it was nice having you down here, but I don't think we're going to see you again. And he was right. So he's on the wildest <laughs> day and he's been one of the prospects now, full-time NHLers that has been super impressive this season. Well, when you look at this matchup tonight between the Ducks and Wild, the third meeting this season already, the final meeting between the two teams, you know, what are you expecting to see from this game? I mean, the Ducks are coming off a game last night, so a little bit of fatigue potentially on Anaheim's side, but from Minnesota's side, what are you expecting to see? You know, they've had a couple of days off now, so despite the travel, I think they probably are better rested than Anaheim. Like you had mentioned, they're coming off of a game from last night. Um, I, I would like to say, I know what to expect, but one of the things with the wild is they've been consistently inconsistent this season. So we're hyping them up off their five game win streak and how great they were and impressive they were during this homestand. But also the last time the wild played Anaheim at the XL energy center, it went all the way to a shootout wild mm -hmm. one. I think it was five, four was the final score in that shootout, but I, I think the Wild, they can't get too confident here in tonight's matchup because I think the Ducks, as we saw in their last meeting, can sneak up on them quick if they 
take any pressure off of them. So they need to stay consistent tonight. They need to continue to bring the pressure all night. And then I think on paper, I don't know if this will win me any points with Ducks fans, but I think on paper, the Wild should win. But I think it could go either way tonight, honestly. Well, Kirsten, I have to tell you before we uh, finish up this interview, I got your Christmas card. And it was adorable. Oh, you can talk about your dog that you have. He's so cute. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm excited that you got it. He's actually laying under the kitchen table at my mom's house because we're back for the holidays um, in his little Christmas sweater. He tried running away from me yesterday when <laughs> I was putting it on him, but um, I didn't feel bad. Normally, I would maybe feel a little bad, but it's so cold here. It's like negative five right now mm. without wind chills. So I'm like, that'll eh, help keep you warm. But, <laughs> He's the best. He's my best friend. Such a little cutie, little Bodie. So, um, yeah, he's he's the best. One last thing. What is your favorite holiday tradition as before we log off and get right into Christmas and all the other holidays happening? Honestly, my annual Christmas card that I send out. It's fun just getting to be creative and think like, what am I going to do different this year? I feel like each year you just got to take it up to that next level, but it it's really is just something that I love. I love receiving Christmas cards. I love sending them. Um, so that's probably one, but also just every year watching my favorite Christmas movie, the holiday, um, all of the really bad Hallmark and <laughs> Lifetime Christmas <laughs> movies that all have the same exact plot. That is also another thing I love to do. So those are just a couple. Kirsten Kroll, great to have you here on Light the Lamp. You'll have to come visit SoCal soon and get out of that cold weather in Minnesota. Well, I'm actually planning a trip to California this spring, so maybe <laughs> I'll definitely make a stop by. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. This is the beginning of the franchise record longest homestand for the Anaheim Ducks organization. 10 home games at Honda Center for the Ducks in the next couple of weeks. So if you haven't come to a Ducks game yet this season, there are so many opportunities to catch a game in these next couple of weeks. Make sure you come check out some hockey at Honda Center. It's a great time. And we also have some fun giveaways that you won't want to miss out on. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again for more hockey talk right here on Duck Stream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.